That is your prayer. While you're standing, if you would take your Bibles and open them to the book of John, the Gospel of John. And we're going to read in the very first chapter of the book of John. There's nothing more important in life than a proper understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And so today we're going to look at some characteristics of Christ in this text. And this section that we're going to read was written by John the Apostle under the inspiration, of course, of the Holy Ghost. And a a second John is introduced in this chapter, John the Baptist. Not the, so John the Baptist is not the author of the book, but another John, a preacher, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so not only are we going to look at who Christ is from this first chapter, but we're also going to be able to see ourselves in many ways, I believe, in John the Baptist. And I hope that we can really gain a, a proper perspective of who we are in relation to who Christ is. So let's begin with reading in verse number 1. John chapter 1 in verse number 1. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to the truth this morning. We pray, Lord, that your word would be magnified, that your name would be exalted. We would see clearly exactly what you were teaching us through the scriptures, Lord, and help us, as we just sang, to be willing to go where you'd want us to go and do what you'd want us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. First of all, we're going to look at who he is, who Jesus is. Verse number one, in the beginning was the word. First of all, he, he is, he was, he is eternally existent. Eternally existent. In the beginning was the word. Let that sink in for just a moment. Before everything and before everyone existed, God existed. It reminds us of the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. That means that if we go back to the beginning of time, when time began, it wasn't God's beginning. He was there. Even then, there was God. He predates everything. He predates everyone. But it isn't that difficult 
to comprehend that he predates everything and everyone because we can go back to the beginning of history. We can go back to Adam and creation and we can, and, and we can go back through scripture and even through history and we, can, and we can find the beginning of time. So that's not that difficult to comprehend that God was before that. But what's, what blows my mind is if you go back prior to creation, prior to Adam, and then you go back another thousand years and then another hundred thousand years, God was existent then. In fact, it's pointless to even talk about time when we go prior to creation because there was no time. He predates time. God has always been. Go back as far as you can, and it's not even close to the beginning of God because there is no beginning of time. There's no way to even fathom what this means in our mind. It, it's it's mind-boggling and mind-blowing. He has always been. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, Jesus Christ, is eternally existent. By the way, that's extremely important to understand. This chapter, this passage is extremely important to understand in our doctrine because there are those who would have us to believe that, that Jesus was the Son of God, but he was a created being. He was the first created being. He was the first creation of God's. But we understand from this verse that, that, that in the beginning was the word, capital W, the word was God, and then verse 14, if you just want to fast forward a few verses, that same God, that same word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. God has always been, but Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God who became flesh has always been as well. He was not created by God the Father. He is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is eternally existent. Not only that, but we see in this passage that he is the creator of everything. Verse 3, all things were made by him. By who? By the word. By the word that was with God, by the word that was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What, was, what do we have that was not made by God, nothing. What was created that was not created by him, nothing. Look in verse number 10 of the same chapter. He was in the world, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He is the creator and Lord of everything. The writer of Hebrews said that God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and is invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This is Jesus, the creator of everything, eternally existent. Number three, he is the giver of life. Verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. From the very first human being to the last human being who was born on this earth, even in this moment, 
as babies are being born. It's Jesus who is breathing life into them. Their life is coming from God. There is no life apart from him. When Adam was being formed in, in Genesis chapter 2, God formed him. God formed him out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So it's God that gives us life physically. But just as it's, it's, it's him who gives us life physically, it is, it is him who gives us life spiritually. In him is life. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, Paul wrote, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's writing to Christians, to a church in Ephesus, and he says, You hath he quickened, you hath he made alive who were dead. You were dead spiritually, but now you are alive, and he made you alive. He goes on to say, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive, quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One thing all of us have in common is that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, many of us have been made alive by Jesus Christ, but all of us were dead. We were born in sin. We were in, in sin, our mothers conceived us. But God, in his mercy, if we're saved, God in his mercy has breathed new life into us, made us alive. You who were dead, he hath quickened us together and now made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've counted over 40 times in the Gospel of John when he used the word life. It was an important subject to John. Let me just read a few to you. John 3:15. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 36 of the same chapter. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There is no life apart from Christ. John 6, 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. In John chapter 6, shortly after he said that, people began to go away from him by the multitudes. They couldn't take what he was saying. They couldn't take the truth that Jesus was preaching. And he looked at his disciples and he says, are you going to go away also? Will you go away also? And Simon Peter said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said after the death of his friend Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no life, there is no physical life apart from Jesus Christ, but more importantly, there is no spiritual life apart from Jesus Christ. So he's eternally existent. He's the creator of everything. He's the giver of life. Fourthly, he's the only source of light. Verse number five says, the light back in John, I think we're all still there, back in John chapter uh, one, verse five, the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it 
not. Verse 8 says he was not that light. Now we're talking about John. John was not that light, that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. In the scriptures, light is generally referring to holiness and purity, where darkness is referring to sin and evil. 1 John 1, 5 says that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And Satan, we know, is the ruler of darkness. He is the, the prince and the power of the air. So all that is good in this world, all that is pure in this world, world, all that is holy in this world, all that is light in this world is a result of God shining in. And all that is darkness in this world, all that is sinful and unholy and impure in this world is, there, is, is, is simply a lack of Jesus Christ shining. It's, it's a blocking out of Jesus. The, he came into the darkness, and the darkness rejected him. That's what we just read. Without him, this world would be utter darkness. To flip the page over to the right to chapter 3, if you're still in John, and look in verse number 19. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And, and think about this. The, a world of complete darkness and sin and evil and helplessness and hopelessness. And light came into that world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. I've, I've never, never known children to be afraid of the light. They're afraid of the darkness. When, when they're in darkness, they're asking for more light, and yet, and, and yet here... This world, this wicked, evil, sinful, dark world that Jesus came into that was utter darkness, he came and shined a light into them, and they didn't want his light. They didn't want their truth to be, their sin to be exposed. They rejected the light. That's what verse 20 says. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. The world is a dark place. There's nothing new. That's nothing new. It's, it's always been dark ever since Satan introduced sin into the world. It's been a dark place. And as human beings, we, can, we, we have no light producing um, within us. We, we, we are only sinful continually. Anything that's good in us is a result, a direct result of what Jesus Christ has done in us and what he is in us and what he is shining out of us. He brought light into the world. And for the rest of eternity, he will be the only source of light. In Revelation, John, the revelator, said that, that there will be no need for the sun there because Jesus will be the light. For all eternity, he will be the light. And in that day, in that day, in that heavenly place, there will be no one rejecting the light. We will all be enjoying and living in the glory of his light. But for now, the light is being rejected. It was being rejected when Jesus came, when became flesh and came to earth. And his light is still being rejected today. So Jesus is eternally existent. He's the creator of everything, and for that we worship him. He's the light of the world, the only source of hope and life and light. But I want us to notice also that he's a personal savior to everyone who will receive him. Verse 10, back in chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Many will reject the light. Most will prefer to continue living in darkness. They will, lo- they, they will not want their sin reproved, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is a personal savior to all who will accept him. Down in verse 29, after John the Baptist is introduced, he comes on the scene And he sees Jesus coming in the distance. He had been preaching. He had been baptizing. Verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the Savior, a personal Savior for all who will receive him. The Lamb of God, the one who was slain before the foundation of the world. Prior to Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem, the angel appeared to Joseph. And this is what the angel told Joseph. That Mary would bring forth a son, and he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, eternally existent, yes, we worship him for that the light of the world, the life giver, but he's a personal savior. He came to save the world, to save people from their sins. So for those of us that are saved, he's more than just the creator. He's he's the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ is the forgiver of sins. The eternally existent word, one with the Father, chose willingly to leave the splendor of heaven and come to this world that he had made come to this world that had rejected him come to this world that had willingly sinned and live in darkness Christ chose to leave heaven and come to this earth to shine a light so he could be our own personal savior he became the sacrifice the only sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God that could take away the sins of the whole world, that could take away your sins, that could take away my sins. That's who Jesus is. The first chapter of John also gives us a good perspective of who we are in in the person of John the Baptist. Sometimes we can lose perspective and we can think of ourselves more highly than, than we ought to think of ourselves, but but John the Baptist had a, had a proper understanding of who he was. And John, the writer, understood as well. So let's go back to verse number 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. So I want to see just a couple of, a few characteristics, similarities between us and John. The first thing that we see is that he was, he was sent and we are sent. We see it twice in these verses that we just read. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 8, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that 
light. He was sent and, and we're sent. God is a sending God. God sends his people out to do a work. Wednesday night we looked at God speaking to Jacob and sending him to a place. He's, he spoke to Abraham and sent him to a place. He sent the apostles out into all the world. He sent John, uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. God is a sending God. He, he doesn't want us to stay put and to just sort of hunker down and live our lives for ourselves. He sends us on a mission. In, in the great sixth chapter of Isaiah, when Isaiah is recording this vision he had of, of, of heaven and, and of seeing God, the Lord asked this question. Isaiah records it. God said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He's looking for people to send. And Isaiah, as we know, raised his hand and said, here I am. I'll go. Send me. In John chapter 17, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus was praying to his father, to the heavenly father, for his disciples, for that first early church. And in, in, in John 17, 18, he said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. After the resurrection, Jesus looked at that same group of, of followers, that same group, that same church, and he said, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. They, as, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as, as his believers, as followers, as his church, they were sent, and so are we sent. John was sent from God. And if you are a child of God, you are sent. God is sending you. God is calling out and saying, I have a purpose and a plan and a desire for you. And he's saying, who's going to go for me? God has given us the commission, go into all the world. We have, we are sent. The same came for a witness, verse 7 says, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So not only are we sent, but we're also to be witnesses. John was a witness. Witnesses for Christ. Just as those who sit in the courtroom and are to testify about what they have seen or what they have heard, we are to be witnesses for Christ who are to testify about who Christ is and what he has done in our lives and what he has done around us. We're to be witnesses that God is eternally existent. We're to be witnesses that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God. We're to be witnesses that, that this world is a dark place. It's a sinful place, a hopeless place. But the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross to bear the sins of all the world, laid in the grave for three days, and three days later he raised from the dead. We're to be witnesses just as the apostles were in the early book of Acts, in the early church, were to be witnesses of all that Christ has done and all that he is doing, that he longs to bring light into a dark world and into dark lives. We're surrounded by darkness, people who are just so far from God, so unhappy, and we have an opportunity as Christians as believers, to share some light, to shed some light. It's not our light. We don't have any source of light on our own, but, 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 but we can shed the light of Christ into a dark world. We're to be witnesses. John came to bear witness of the light. And why did he do that? Verse 7 tells us, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. We're to be witnesses with the intention that every single breathing human being 
would believe what we believe about Christ, what the scriptures say about who he is. The purpose of the testimony of John the Baptist was to produce faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Son of God. God doesn't want only a few to be saved. He doesn't want only a select chosen group to be saved. We heard last week, we read last week, uh, last Sunday, that, that straight is the way and narrow is, is the gate that leads to salvation and few there will be that find it. But it's not because God only desires that a few would be saved. It's because the majority of the world is rejecting the light. But our desire ought to, be, ought to align with the desire of God, and that is that all the world would be saved. And so we are to be witnesses that all men will be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A third characteristic that we can learn about ourselves from this text, and I've already mentioned this, is that we are not the light. And, and that's important to understand that we're not the ultimate source of light in this world. John, the writer, was careful to say that in verse 8. He, talking about John the Baptist, he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. Sometimes we can look around and see how dark the world around us is, and, and, and we can think, man, I'm the only, it's so dark, and I'm, the, I'm really the only light around here. I mean, I go to work, and all the people around me, they're just so far from God, and they have no, they're just so just vile, and, and, and the conversations are so vulgar and, and profane and and everywhere I go I just feel like I'm just it's just it's, it's just filthy and I'm the I'm the only light but we're not really the light at all John, John was not the light he was simply sent to bear witness of the light on our own we have no we have no we cannot produce any light on our own we're nothing on our own we're just simply a reflector of the the great light the Lord Jesus Christ. And our job simply is to make much of Jesus, to make much of him, to shine his light as brightly as we possibly can, to be a great witness, to magnify the name of Christ ever we go, lift it up and shine his light, not our light, but his light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul wrote this in verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We don't preach ourselves. We don't make much of ourselves. We recognize that God shined his glorious light into us. And now, because of that, we make much of him. And we shine his light everywhere we go. We're not the light. He's the light. We're just witnesses of his light. And number four, and finally, we are humble servants. Humble servants. John recognized this, verse number 26. John answered them, saying, I baptize you with water. But there is one standeth among you, whom ye know not. He it is who, coming after me, is preferred before me. Whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. 
Now, it's important that we understand that, that John the Baptist was, was not some insignificant being, not some in, insignificant person. Jesus said this about John. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. And so Jesus, who is the greatest judge of character to ever live, said about John the Baptist that there was no other man who had ever been born that was greater than John the Baptist. Not King David, not Solomon, who was the wisest man ever to live, not Abraham, not Jacob, not the Apostle Paul, not Moses, who led God's people out of Egypt. No one was greater than John the Baptist, and yet John recognized that compared to Christ, he was nothing. Compared to Christ, the eternally existent one, the creator of everything, even, even though he was the greatest man in the eyes of Jesus ever to be born, compared to, compared to Jesus Christ, he wasn't even worthy to take the lowest form of a servant and, and bend down and, and loosen the shoes of Jesus. Just a humble servant. Notice the simple language that's used to describe John. The transition, prior to, to verse 6, we see such glorious language about the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. All things were made by him. In him was life. And then in verse 6, very simply, he just says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We can really think too highly of ourselves. We can think we're too good for some things, too good for some menial tasks. Some things are just above us. We've been around a while. After all, I'm, I'm a Christian. I work around a lot of heathen people who don't know the Lord. We can think we're really something. But John really had it down. He understood. He understood the perspective, the proper perspective, because first he recognized the greatness of God, and, and through that he was able to put his own self in perspective and say, I, I, I'm nothing. There's one, all these people were following him, and he was pointing to, to, to one who was so much greater, so much beyond comparison there. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to kneel down and to loosen his shoes. I'm not, I'm not worthy to wash his feet. I'm not even worthy to, to look on him. John understood. He was just a humble servant. And we would do well to, to understand that we're, we're really nothing. We're sent by God. What an honor it is to be sent by God. We're, we're not the light. We may think that we're some bright light shining in a dark place, but it, anything that good that's in us is, there's nothing that's good in me that is in my flesh. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Anything that's good in me is just because Jesus Christ has shined his, uh, Christ has shined his glorious light into us, and we're just the privilege to be able to serve him, just to be humble servants of the Most High God. We ought to marvel at who God is that he had no beginning, that he was eternally existent. Before time existed, God existed. When the very first thing was spoken into creation, God had already been there for all eternity. And Jesus Christ spoke every, everything that is in existence in Genesis. Jesus Christ spoke it into existence. It's an amazing thing to consider, isn't it? We want to dwell on the fact that God is life. Jesus is life. He's the giver of life, and, and that life is available to everyone who will receive it. There is no life outside of Christ. 
those that live apart from the Lord may think they have life. They may think that they're living the life, but that life will come crashing down. That life will end in utter disaster and catastrophe, most likely in this present life, but absolutely in the next life, ends in hell and torment. But life is available to each and every one who will receive it. What a marvel in the fact that God is the source of all light. Apart from him, this world is complete darkness. And those that reject the Lord reject all light and will live in darkness. What a marvel in the fact that he's the savior of the world. The, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. The lamb who was slain for our sin. The perfect sacrifice. Not crucified because he had to be. Not crucified because of anything that he had done wrong. But rather willingly as a payment for each and one of our sins. Each and every one of our sins. Your sin, my sin. We should marvel who God is. And when we do that, when we marvel at who God is, at his at his greatness, then we'll also marvel at his great mercy, that he's a personal savior to each one of us who will receive him. And it will cause us to humble ourselves and say, God, if I can do anything, I'm not worthy even to do the most menial tasks. But if you'll, if you'll, if you'll allow me to, I'll, I'll serve you in any way that I can. I'll be a witness for you. If you'll send me, I'll go. And we'll receive the commission that Christ gave to his disciples on multiple occasions and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and be witnesses unto me. We're sent by God to be his witnesses. God help us to be just that, his witnesses. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to pray. As I pray, I, I hope that you'll just, in your own heart, in your own mind, you'll worship God for who he is, for what he has done. Perhaps some of us need to repent for thinking too highly of ourselves, thinking too much of ourselves and not thinking and recognizing God for who he is. Perhaps you need to surrender yourself today to be his servant, his humble servant, to be his witness. If you'd like to come forward after I pray, the piano is going to play and you're welcome as always to come forward and kneel and pray. You can kneel at your seat and pray or just, just pray where you are. But the most important thing is that we don't waste these moments, that we take what God has said and we, and we, lead, we, we follow where he's leading. Lord, I just thank you for your precious word, for your great mercy, for your great love. And Lord, help us to magnify you in all that we do. We could never honor you enough. We could never worship you enough. We could never praise you enough for who you are. Oh, Lord, we just feel honored to be in your presence today. Thank you for meeting with us. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you lead us in these moments and help us, Lord, to surrender fully to you? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. If, you want, if you'd like to come forward now, you may.